This is a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne, truly independent community radio. And this will be the point where we come on in, 12.02 and a half here on 3RRR FM. Good afternoon on this spring day. How you doing out there? It's a gorgeous day. My name is Cam Smith, and across from me, I do have... I'm back after a couple of weeks. Matt Steadman is my name. Matt Steadman. I, uh, speaking of a beautiful spring day, I rode my bike in uh, to the studio today and went past all the thousands of people running the marathon. Way they, uh, to go, you guys. And, they uh, look tired. Yeah, well, and, uh, and and you look like you'd got a bit of a sweat up uh, riding up uh, against that nor'easter. Yeah, I, uh, our apartment faces south, so you get up and you go, oh, what a beautiful day. I'm going to ride. How nice is that? And yeah. then you get out into the wind. And it becomes very real. It does. But it was much easier for me on the bike than um, those brave souls plodding 42 kilometres all around. You can do two different types, can't you? You can do the half. Half. You can do the full. I think there's a 10 and a 5K, too. Neither, neither of which I would find easy either. I can't no. run. I couldn't run 400 metres. No. No. Uh, yes, I can. Uh, I, I would be the same. But what a way to spend a spring day here in Melbourne, and however you're spending it. It's great that you've uh, come yeah. and joined us here, because we've got an hour of, uh, of food um, we are going to be going to market to catch up with John, who also has been having two weeks off. He took a bit of time off himself. Yes. So he's back in the saddle, and um, we just sort of ask him, well, what's changed in in those two weeks that you've been away? Yes. And, uh, yeah, it's a fair bit. So we'll have a chat to him. Looking forward to that. And um, waiting in the green room, we will uh, get him in shortly. Uh, a man who is uh, giving gorgeous, gorgeous pastries to mm. uh, the good burgers of uh, High Street Northcote and the surrounds. And also to us here in East Brunswick, he's brought in a big selection of the pastries. He's almost turned Studio 2 into a little cafe. Yes, we a little pastry store. A little pastry shop here. Yes. <laughs> yeah. How much for this one? Um, <laughs> Boris Portnoy, who... Um, an interesting journey from uh, San Francisco mm. to Australia, and uh, we have some trips to uh, to Georgia. Mm. Not that Georgia. We're talking about uh, Georgia, the uh, the country that uh, is on the Black Sea. Yes. Um, who who are our neighbours? Let's see. The Turks. We've got the Turkey. Yep. Asben- Ag- Ag- Azerbaijan. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Yeah, Boris is going. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Good on you. And uh, of course, the uh, the big bear to the north, uh, the Ruskies. Uh, we we've had some troubles with um, selling yeah. wine, and uh, you know. Anyway, there's uh, you know the the colonial masters, could we say? Yes. But uh, the amazing thing about Georgia is, um, first of all, it's really really beautiful, temperate climate. Yep. But we could say that it's one of the cradles of viticulture. Could we? Because you were saying before the show. Mm. Uh, one of the oldest winemaking countries that we know of. You think thousands of years, perhaps? Well, like a, yeah, I think Neolithic wine. But anyway, rather than now, McCullough's too hard mm. when they could be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll just back off a back little check. bit, and we'll um, we'll have a chat to uh, Boris. And another thing we're going to might talk about is um, the uh, the croissant, great French pastry, right? That's what I thought. Yes, just. Hold that Just thought. Hold on to, yeah. to that thought. Uh, yeah, 12.06. Uh, 
again, as we said, on a glorious spring day, we need to just also acknowledge the fact that uh, the doctors did a really, really wonderful live to air. Yes, the place was a buzz as we wandered in. It was. Everybody was here. So normally there's a couple of people and there's Tim Thorpe in the Tim corner. Thorpe. Uh, Usually going through CDs. <laughs> yes. But today, yeah. all the doors were open. There were people uh, uh, throbbing about the performance space. Oh, it was good. The spring air was coming through. Was it? And how? Oh, it, it was. And uh, yes, so to all the morning programs, well done. Bravo, you guys. Mm-hmm. Carl Sagan. Mm-hmm. Here's a quote from him. Um, if you wish to make an apple pie truly from scratch, mm-hmm. you must first invent the universe. That's a bit pedantic, isn't it? It is a bit, but... <laughs> dude, dude, really? Really? Oh, Carl. All right, mate. Well, that's good. Uh, you'll be happy to know that um, in the... I think it's in the Northern Hemisphere, but hey, what's stopping us? It is National Yorkshire Pudding Day. Is it? A, uh, a great batter of a thing that you pour into... You can even pour it into muffin moulds. Yes. Uh, you pour it into the, the roasting pan afterwards. Yes. So, and, it, and, of course, the original, the whole point of the Yorkie was simply just to extend the meat, was it not? So you can soak up the gravy and have a little bit more of that flavour because meat was so expensive. A sop. It was, a, it is, and it is a sop. Yes. Sop to uh, to get all the all those juices and stuff like that. Because on their own, they taste a bit meh. 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 But then you can, you can make it, you can find a Yorkshire pudding batter mm-hmm. and whack a whole bunch of herbs and a bit of parmesan in it. That, that brings it to life. Yes. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Could even put a bit of chilli. Ooh, a bit of cayenne. Jeez, the, the Brits would not like that. To go, yeah, it's uh, Yorkshire, Arabiata Yorkshire pudding. <laughs> angry, angry Yorkshire. <laughs> that'll, that'll teach your pommy friends, won't it, eh? Yeah, hey, try this, eh? Hey, what do you reckon? Ooh, it's a bit hot. Yeah, well, deal with it. Um, so, what have we got? Uh, yeah, natural, uh, National Yorkshire Pudding Day. Mm. It's also uh, St. Coleman's Day. St. Coleman, you say? Yeah, it's not the uh, patron of mustard. No. Um, <laughs> it is the patron of cattle and horses. I swear there's some crossover with some of these patron saintries. I swear. We've had cattle before, I think. Someone, You reckon someone else got the gig? Yeah. Well, there might be a fight down the back of the shelter the shed of saints. Demarcation. That's my thing. Dispute. I'm cattle. No, I'm cattle. Come on, come on. <laughs> I'll fight you. Um, what else? Oh, today... Mm-hmm. Um, First of all, we should look back. Um, yes. I don't know. What, what, what did you do yesterday? What did I do yesterday? Chilled out. Uh, yeah. You know, didn't do too much. No, we had a couple of drinks in the sun. It was nice. Oh, yeah, you did too. Securitini. A few little... Uh, you know, what's a Securitini? It is... Uh, it's a cocktail. Mm. Uh, effectively, it's a mixture of gin and sake with a little maraschino cherry on the bottom. Is that from a book called uh, At the Bar? That's uh, no, just something that's around. So, it, sake might, and gin. Might be in there. Um, but but no, what sort of sake? Because oh, sake is like a... No, no, we just got the cheap stuff. Well, the geki can. No, no, we didn't get that. <laughs> okay. Um, um, just so you know, let give a little bit of context here for mm. people. Uh, geki can sake was, um, back in the day, the only sake, sake yes. that you could get in Australia. And it it's sort of had the box, box with the cherry blossoms. And the seasons. No, you go around the seasons and the thing. But <laughs> it was the generic only one you could You can get. still get it. It is kind of like... You know, the two out of Camry of sakes, it's, it's, yeah. it's drinkable, it's alright. Jacob's Creek. Actually, one thing, you know, and we did, and I'm diverging a little bit here, but Go. yesterday, you know, Saturday we do chores and we just did the chain store roundup. We had a few things and things mm. we need to get. So we went to uh, one of the big 
liquor suppliers. E. You probably know the one. I think I do. Uh, and what I was surprised about on our travels in there, the explosion, I'm using emotive terms, the quantity of craft gin that's now available, even at those big outlets. Mm-hmm. There were three whole, you know, shelving bays full of gin. So you've got all your normal players like your beef eaters and your Bombay Sapphires. Yeah. But you've also got uh, a lot of the, the newer Melbourne local craft uh, gins. So you've got MGC, you've got Four Pillars, you've got Anther was in there. He's in there now, yeah. Um, gin, it's getting to be... Uh, a thing. A Melbourne drink, or Melbourne's drink. But, okay, but also, if, we're, if you're going to go down that road, mm. Mr. Stedman, the one thing that is very, very disappointing is the fact that even though you can get gins... Mm. One of the things that is one of the great cohabitator with gin or the thing that uh, illuminates it and makes it something else, transcendates it. <laughs> Sorry, folks. But uh, no, vermouth, though. Yes. It's, there is a dearth of a de- vermouth. A, a dearth of vermouth. A dearth of vermouth. Right. Um, you know, you can get, I think you can get Cinzano, you can get yep. Martini, and that's usually about it. I don't think you can get Maidenai at... Dan Murphy's, for instance. Ooh, I don't know. Have anyway, a look. It's, uh, anyway, that's something to think mm. about. Uh, but also, it should be mentioned that, yeah, okay, you were taking it easy and all was yep. well. I was up to my armpits in... No, that's not a good analogy. <laughs> <laughs> I was at the Melbourne Salami Festa, um, yes. which is uh, happening at Welcome to Thornbury today. So it's on, uh, today on is High it? Street, yeah. Be oh, so Welcome now. to Thornbury is like the big, uh, it's the big sort of normal, the food uh, food van. Food, food van park. Thing. And Ex car dealership. Fabulous. Great space. It is a great space. And uh, I was uh, lucky enough to be invited to be one of the judges for the Melbourne Salami Festa. Yep. And we judged and judged and judged, like from 11 o'clock till 4 o'clock, eating salami. So that would explain why you're sweating salami today. Oh, I was a bit salami crazy when I got home last <laughs> night. I tell you, I really was. It was like, but salami. <laughs> I think I need a salad, mm. um, but wow, it was um, it was just fantastic, mm. and it's on today. Yep. And not only is there all the salamis which are around, which I think did I say four o'clock will be. Yep. It'll be announced, but there's also heaps of food stalls, and it all ain't all just meat, because one thing that I did bring back was yep. I saw. Um, a fabulous woman by the name of Lena. Lena mm. is uh, the matriarch of the Rose Hill Estate, which is a, a place in Keylor. Yes. Uh, and it's a place that used to be, well, it's before it was a, su- you know, big suburbs. It was mm. probably farmland. They've got like, I don't know, about two or three acres of land in Keylor yeah, right. on a hill. Uh-huh. And they just live this sort of southern Italian lifestyle where they just grow olives and they grow the grapes and they make wine and they make possibly one of the greatest olive oils I've ever tasted. Ooh. And I bought this first press stuff from Lena, who's yep. there, next to the fabulous Italian cheese ladies. Yep. Um, 25 bucks for a bottle of olive oil. Yep. Oh, my God, it's so green. Yeah. And it just tastes of the sun and so... What I did was, after yeah. eating all these salamis, yes. was brought back a, a loaf of bread and some olive oil and that sort of I, I came back down to earth. But uh, <laughs> if you are not doing anything, um, or even if you are doing something, drop your tools, get in the car, um, go to um, down High Street, welcome to Thornbury. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, 
It's a great um, Melbourne cultural institution. The tram runs right past there too. I think. I think it's the eighty-six. I forget which number. I think but it is. You can get the tram if you're. Uh, yeah, great that idea. Yes. Yeah, it is. Uh, we should probably get on with the show. It is twelve fourteen. You are listening to Eat It. Coming up um, is uh, going to be. We've got John at the market yep. catching up, and then uh, please stick around because Boris Portno. We're going to have a chat to him. We've got a couple of giveaways too. Oh, we do too. Yeah. yeah. So hey, why would you go? anywhere else as i said it's a beautiful sunday it's spring we are just so delighted that you were able to join us and uh, we thought we might just have uh, a little bit of music for you once uh mac gets once i it all. plug it in properly let's try that again shall i oh really okay we're going to do a take two on that uh did i mention the time i did did i mention that it's spring and it's great to have you along for the ride uh, i don't know if i did but uh we really mean that. Here we go. We're going to have a take two on some music. Hit it, maestro. <laughs> oh, what's happened, man? This worked when we sound checked it, didn't it? It did. All right. It did. There we go. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Just had to wiggle the old connection. Hmm. Yes. Yes. Twelve twenty here on three triple RFM. We've got a giveaway here for you. We spoke a few weeks ago now about the publication of the Diggers, uh, forty years of the best garden ideas. Would you call it a magazine? It's sort of a book compendium. Compendium. Yeah, compendium of uh, previous articles, uh, just to show the ethos behind that underpins the Diggers Club. I've been reading it at home, and I was saying to you earlier, I've become a, a bit of a vegetable militant again, just reading it uh, in terms of. The preservation of different vegetable varieties. Seed saving. Um, and, of course, the fact that most of Australia probably source their fruit and vegetables from the big supermarket players. And, and uh, there's a couple companies, uh, Monsanto and Bear, which own yes. most of the patents for seeds that we eat. Yes. Although the great news is that it has gone up not much, but a little bit. And that's um, thanks to the endeavours of seed savers like diggers. Yes. So um, if you are not a member of diggers or if you're not aware of diggers, um, look it up, Diggers Club. But what Check we have got for you mm. uh, here, some people are onto it, 9388102. Uh, yes. Give us a ring. Matt's going to pick up a, 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 a well, why not at random. Yes. And the best thing is that we're going to get it sent out to you. You don't even have to come into yeah. beautiful downtown East Brunswick to pick it up. But if you haven't heard of them, check them out, Diggers. Uh, mm-hmm. We've had them on this show for many, many years. But, um, yeah, it, encouraging you to grow your own food. Um, which is a, not only a, a good thing to do from a food miles perspective, but it tastes better. Yes, and uh, because uh, this is an educational station, we you have to answer a question. Yes. And we said that it was a national pudding day. Yes. What sort? What sort? Tell us what sort it is, and uh, that book will come to you. Let's go to market so mm. uh, we can have a listen to John, and then stand by for after that. Boris Portnoy from All Are Welcome. All right, I'm just over here with uh, John at the uh, the medical dispensary. Uh, John's just giving me my hay fever tablet. Thanks, mate. <laughs> yeah, I think some people are going to need it today. Oh. It's a beautiful day. There's a light breeze, but as I said, you can see there's a little bit of dust in the air, yeah. and we're feeling it because our throats are tickly and our sinuses are inflamed. So, but life's grand. It's, the sun's out. It's beautiful. So, and the wind. Wind's today. Nor'easter, by the looks of it. Yes, I think so. So it's a bit of a weird one. Still got to get out there and enjoy it, though. Mm, it's a, look. It's a great day. Great day to be outside, and you've had a couple uh, weeks off, which would have been very, very nice. But 
What have you seen that's changed? It's amazing at this time of year as we're going from transitioning from uh, winter, spring, a lot's happened in these two weeks, hasn't it? A lot has happened and I've noticed a a big, big difference. All my customers were complaining that I wasn't here for two weeks and tomatoes were scarce in the market. Mm. What they bought was tasteless. Um, But I've been lucky. We... we, um, um, I contacted my supplier the day before I came back to market and made sure that whatever good tomatoes he got in, he kept them for me, which he did, was beautiful. So we were lucky we picked up these beautiful Murray Bridge tomatoes. I've got two tomatoes in my hands. They're a little bit bigger than a golf ball. Mm-hmm. Nice, bright red, shiny skin, even colour. Yep. You cut them in half. The only thing I don't like, some of them have got the green iridescent seed. I know you like it. I like that. That's, oh, I like that's mine you. when they're a little bit riper and the, the green's gone and the sugar's come into them. Yeah, that's your green, almost your green-shouldered. That's, well, it's that's not right. green-shouldered, but it has more acid and that's uh, right. it gives a, a salad a nice kick. Yes, it does. And, yeah. then, and that's, like I said, a lot of my customers love that. Mm-hmm. Um and also, we're selling them uh, 5 to $6 a kilo for the bigger ones. And I've got these wrinkly tomatoes here. Uh, they may be a rather rouge de marmalade rather than a rouge de marmont. Um, what we call an Adelaide tomato. Softer skin, juicier, uh, different texture. Sometimes they can be flowery, but the flavour makes up for it. And, you know, it's a funny thing. You say wrinkly. My God, wrinkles. My God, this thing's almost folded in on itself. Um, there's, it's like you've got the calyx. Ooh, there's someone's got hay fever. <laughs> hey, mate, we need, we, you need Come a Zyrtec or something. <laughs> <laughs> hey, bless you. <laughs> well, they brought the whole market to a stop. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, what was I talking about? This tomato, yeah, it's folded in. The, the calyx is almost only just peeking out from yes, being Yes, it is. So I can imagine its mother was hanging on uh, to uh, its baby for dear life until yeah. it ripened up. Yep. Because that's the job it's got to... Um, Recreate uh, or procreate, yeah. so it, and it makes the tomato for seeds and hang in there. Now, just we've you know we've talked to you for many many years, and the name of the place is Tomato City at the Queen Victoria Market. Where do you get your tomatoes from, though? Just to, can we just quickly go over that, just to let people know? Okay, um, from say July till Christmas, we get our tomatoes from Murray Bridge. Which is South Australia. Um, on the border? On Yeah, on this side of South Australia. If you go through it, you blink and you'll miss it. Yep. But they've got beautiful glass houses there. Uh, we get some from the glass houses in Geelong as well. Um, and they're usually always greener because of the different water and climate. Mm. But mostly we get them from um, South Australia. They're uh, a little bit harder on the skin than the old varieties that Grandma grew, but the flavour is very intense. These have flavour that you remember an hour after you've eaten them, not like some of these so-called gourmet tomatoes that have smell but no flavour. And when they finish, well, actually, you can get them all year round, but we stop with them because when our Doncaster tomatoes start, Mm. um, nothing comes close to them. Now, they were actually grown in Doncaster, but now they're growing in um, Coldstream on the side of a hill, and he's got the forest at the back. trees on one side, vines on the other side so his fields are protected from wind and so on. He's a clever guy. What's his name? Uh, Tony Lanza, like the oh, old right. singer. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Hey, does he break out into this song? Yeah, no, no. He's got only one talent, tomatoes. Tomatoes. But and that's all he does. And he's worked at topography because this is the thing that used to always amaze me that even in the middle of winter years ago you used to say, no, they come from Doncaster, 
And I'd almost look at you and go, yeah, bull. Yeah. So yeah. the tomatoes go right up till about July, June, yeah. July. Mm. And it gets very cold in Doncaster, but three times they had a frost last year. He didn't get anywhere he was. Gotcha. And so, uh, you know. Werribee, do you get tomatoes from Werribee? Well? Unfortunately, the old boy passed on, and oh, the young no. boys don't know how to grow tomatoes properly down there. Um, so, no, which was tragic because he had the old seeds from the old country. He was a Greek guy. Yeah. And they were lovely. And we still miss them today. That would have been an unfortunate conversation. Yeah, I can yeah, imagine definitely, that. definitely, definitely. So, you know, oh, there gosh. you go. Okay, so around the way. Anyway, so there, that's that's tomatoes. Um, oh, one last question I, I thought I'd ask. Do you grow tomatoes at home? Me? No, because I'm not there very often. But my dad's 92. And uh, even when he was younger and he came to market nearly every day, he always had tomatoes in the garden. Gotcha. Um, because if, if you look after them, it doesn't matter how bad and ugly they come. Mm. When you pick something and eat it, it's in its prime and, and it hasn't been um, pushed along. Um, I keep saying to people that we're... Um, uh, our farming system, if they're not pushed chemically like some do, they still put a lot of water. We're intensive croppers. Yes. And um, that means also when you pull one crop out, you put another one in so the soil gets depleted more. Mm. Um, but still, uh, we're lucky our tomatoes are growing properly and, and, and they have flavour because um, Tony, when he's finished with his crop, he, he pulls them out, leaves the ground fallow for a, um, a month or so, then he'll plough it up, prepare it, and then he'll plant Yes. So, you know, the ground's had a little bit of a rest yeah. and he doesn't put 6 million chemicals or phosphates. He uses natural natural fertilisers. And, of course, one of the things you can plant in in the ground to fix a little bit of nitrogen, yeah, he's smiling at me, he's going, ah, look at this. Uh, ah, I see where you're going. You're not silly he's, after he's, all. He's, <laughs> he's maybe, Sorry. He's, yeah. That's all right. Uh, he's waving the magic green wand, the broad beans. Uh, are we at peak broad bean? We are. These hey. beautiful big broad beans came out of um, Swan Hill region. Um, these are uh, about 30 centimetres long. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight beans in there. Um, now, these put nitrates back into the ground. So in the olden days, what they would do is plant broad beans and plough them in before they produced fruit because it would en enrich the ground. Um, these days, the early crops, they plant them in amongst the vines to get cash. So they're protected by the vines. We get an early crop. Because they fall over easy, they don't they? They do, very, like this, very frail. This, this would knock them over. This wind would not be good for a broad bean. My father-in-law actually used to grow bamboo and he'd stake three or four uh, plants together Yep. and he'd got an early crop. Because yep. when they fall over, they, they don't have the same strength. The flowers are too close to the ground. They don't um, stay. Mm. Um, and so we get these beautiful broad beans. Yep. And we've got new season peas too out of Victoria. Like it's a little brother, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. They're not as full as I like because this one's got nothing in it, basically, but those Don't ones do. And um, I was just saying to a friend of mine just a minute ago that, about what we had for dinner last night. Franca steamed the peas and broad beans together mm. and my son was spitting out the second shell of the broad beans, which I like to eat. Yes. Um, what we do is we fry a little bit of uh, onion and uh, we wash the peas and broad beans together, pull them out. The water that's on them is enough to steam them when you throw them into the um, oil. Yes. And you simmer them very slow, put a little bit of salt when they're nearly cooked, and that's how we eat those. Nice. And also at peak now is asparagus. Uh, these asparagus are green all the way down to the bottom, so I say to people, don't snap them because you'll lose a third. Yep. Just cut the bottom off. 
Now, these are a little bit dearer than what's around the market because, as I said, there's no waste on them. These I'm selling at $3 for 300 You can buy them for um, $2 a bunch, the same size, but they've got white on them, so when you chop it off, it's about the same. Yep. This is a large. Normally, I have extra large, and as usual, the big ones grow quicker, so they're tenderer. So, you know, don't look for the really, really thin ones. Different if you're picking them in a forest where, you know, the conditions have been a little bit tougher, but they've jumped up overnight. Oh, yes. yeah. Then you eat the little ones. And that's why the French snap them, because they can be a little bit coarser. A little bit woody. Yeah, a little bit woody. What's your favourite thing with these? Uh, well, I'm a sucker for an asparagus omelette. So. Yeah, and you took me through the uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, orange well, on the other day. tell them how you did it. Oh, OK. Uh, so, what did I do? I cut them in half, a long, long ways. Um, I didn't snap them because I knew John would be on my shoulder even though you were suburbs away and I couldn't deal with that. Um, <coughs> just tossed them off in, uh, in a little bit of... I had butter and olive oil because oh, I like it. In. Hey, come on. I was, uh, you know, Franco uh, uh, it, Italio, you know, the, the mixture. Um, did that. Uh, and then I had a mixture of the eggs. I like parmesan cheese, so I put some parmesan in there. Salt, pepper. Uh, salt, pepper, what else? Parsley. Uh, no, I didn't have any uh-huh. parsley growing at the moment. So, but of, did you put a little bit of carrot in as well? No, color? no, you no, didn't no, do that too. No, no, I didn't. Didn't do that. I just had it pretty straight. Just parmesan cheese. Oh no, I went because I've got za'atar, so I went a little bit Middle Eastern. There you go. Why not? And why not? So I put a little bit of that. And if you haven't had za'atar, it's a mixture of sort of wild thyme, sesame seeds, and once you start having it, you have it on everything. Pour that over. Um, let it set a bit. Sort of pulled it away from the sides of the pan. And then I went the flip. Yeah, did we get it ambition. right? Yeah, yeah, it was fine. I, you know, I did the whoop, and then it's up in the air momentarily. <laughs> and it's sort of like time is suspended for a sec as it sort of flips in the air and you see it in slow motion. It came down and I caught it and it was magnificent at half uh, to start. And then as you do, because I've often come here and you've had it, it's been refrigerated overnight ultimate picnic food it's awesome so thank you it actually gets better i yeah. can't understand it. you know the flavor does get better but you have to be careful if you've got a lot of oil in a pan flipping it can be dangerous oh yeah no there wasn't that much <laughs> there, there wasn't that much oil and um yeah it was it was okay but anyway that's the asparagus omelet the other thing i love before we go on is just steam them and just you know the best olive oil you've got and a little bit of parmesan cheese and salt and pepper and you can even leave them a little bit crunchy too. That I don't mind. I don't really like a lot of vegetables crunchy, but asparagus I don't mind. Yeah. Um, well, I've lost it. Oh, yeah, and also brushed into the oven. Yes. Or on the barbecue. Or on the barbecue, yeah. So easy. Yeah, it's nice. So easy. That's nice. We've got and something unusual here too. Yeah. I've got this little bullet chilli or capsicum. It looks like a jalapeno, but it's not. It's a little bit longer, maybe a centimetre longer. Mm. And a lot of people think it's hot. I did too, because um, my uh, mate told me they were hot, but they're not. Oh, I'm going to kill him when I see him. Oh, really? But they're sweet. So and uh, my mum was eating them like an apple yesterday. Capsicum sweet? Yeah, capsicum yeah, okay. sweet. Yeah, right. But these would be really, really nice fried in olive oil and then served beside a steak. Right. Or even, you know, quickly thrown on a barbie. Okay, here's another thing you could do. Maybe I was looking at these and go, uh, cut them in half, take out that seed pod, um, a little bit of goat cheese, oh. goat cheese, um, oh. and then in now a little talking. bit of flour and beer batter, and then just shallow fried. Oh, that sounds terrific. Oh, yeah, and then with, with beer, <laughs> with a drink. and uh, But just be careful because they can be a little bit nuclear if you're not careful because that cheese filling can just be, like, lava hot. But... Um, 
I reckon um, some goat cheese would go really, really well with that. What do you reckon? I think so. That'd be better. I, I think I'll take my life into my own hands and suggest that to my um, boss at home. All right, and if and maybe for the next time, because you know you've got to do these things little by little. Huh? You don't want to do too much. But beer batter, if you do two to one with the flour, two rice flour, one normal flour, you'll get super crispy. Yes, you yeah. can do it so many different ways. Yeah, so. All right, so that's, that's good. How much are these? Uh, only seven a kilo. All right, well, if you come down, you might be able to grab some of these before too long. And, uh, oh, hang about, John's showing off his Enviro bag. Yeah, we brought in some bags. Unfortunately, I couldn't find any Australia-made ones. Mm. These are made from polyester. I think they're about um, 30 centimetres by 30 centimetres, and they've got a drawstring. So a ruler by a ruler. Yeah, yeah. a ruler by a ruler. Yeah. Uh, and also we've put in, brought in old um, <coughs> grandma's string bags from uh, China as well yeah. um, uh, because we're going to remove all plastic bags eventually. Oh, good, so, yeah, yeah. You know, I've seen the people with a few of these, so we sourced them and brought them in. Yeah. Um, the string bag we're selling for $6. You can pay up to $20, $25 for them. Yep. Uh, so we've got them for $6. These Enviro bags we're selling 10 for $15. They're about $20 for 10 plus postage on the internet, so yep. that's a good price. You know, you put your veggies in them, you put them straight in a crisper. Uh, one lady said she puts salad mix, just shoves it under the tap, and they get washed in that. And then when they're dirty, you throw them in the washing machine. You keep using them and using them. So we're looking out for the environment as well. Are you getting there? Is that like a? Is that just a personal thing, or is it? Is there a market-led uh, um, endeavour? They're, they're looking into it, but uh, we're, we're going to get them get it right for them as well with these bags. Okay. They, they um, are hoping to remove all plastic bags in the market by uh, the new year. By the new year. By the new Way. year. But okay. there's not much of an alternative that they've provided, so this will provide an alternative. Okay. Um, a lot of people have got them and they're very happy with what they've got, so yeah. uh, we only just brought them mm. out and uh, we've sold a few. Yep. But uh, once people see them and um, see a lot of other people using them, they'll take off. All right, let's flip over very, very quickly to fruit and the Northern Territory have been uh, oh. funneling in uh, lots of uh, different things. Are those grapes from Northern Territory? No, unfortunately not. The Australian grapes haven't um, right, performed those. really well this year. Ooh, uh, they will come. Right. They will come from the Northern Territory. But, the but mangoes. Not, uh, yesterday, about 2 o'clock, it was a little bit quiet. So I saw some mangoes across, and I went and got one, and then another one. <laughs> okay. And we had a feast. They're pretty good. So, um, you know, you can pay anything from a dollar fifty to three dollars each, depending on the size and quality. Mm-hmm. These were very, very ripe, so they were about a dollar fifty each. Um, but yeah, every day you'll see more and more coming in, and we'll have more of a feast mm. um, because things like. Um, the citrus are starting to wane. Yep. There, there were six or seven varieties of mangoes a month ago. Now, um, mandarins. Yeah, hello. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so now we can only see a couple. Two. So we've got the Afor, um, Honey Mercot, we're guessing, but yeah. I reckon that's it. Yeah, uh, um, and there's it. still blood oranges and grapefruit and other oranges around. So, yeah, so you if know. you're like your Negronis, uh, you've still got time to get some blood oranges to... 
to whack in there is the garnish. Yeah. Or maybe if with a little bit of with your Amaro at the end of the meal. Yes. Oh, I've just go. been making a little bit of juice and drinking it. Okay. And uh, Frank actually made me a blood orange cake instead of an orange cake, and it was gorgeous. Really? Yeah, you missed out. Yeah, you I missed out on breakfast that. this morning. Blood orange cake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And, oh and, and she used the peel in the icing as well. Really? Yeah, look at that. Sorry, I got to stop. All here. the little speckles on top was beautiful. Oh, that sounds really great. Yeah, but very I, simple, apparently. Might have to get the recipe off her. Yeah, yeah. Do you reckon yeah, she'd yeah, do that? Yeah, of course. Oh, maybe we'll share it with the listeners. Do you guys share. want that? Blood yeah. orange cake? What do you think? Huh. Okay, I think it's time. Oh, gosh, we're up to 17 minutes. All right, uh, pick of the market, let's get out of here. Definitely broad beans. Yep. Buy some peas and beans. The good beans are $11 a kilo, but you only need a handful to keep everyone happy. Mm. Savoy cabbage, we, we haven't talked about cabbage for a while. Got a new season cabbage, very, very young, beautiful for coleslaw, or you can make a soup or cabbage rolls or anything with it. Mm. Uh, the celery is exceptional. I haven't seen good celery like this for three or four years. It's long, it's tender, not as stringy as normal. Um, greeny white colour so it's in between the two some people like them green some people like it white but it's nice and crisp carrots dime a dozen you name it it's all out there guys get out there have a look like we always say don't plan your menus walk through say i feel like eating that buy some go home cook up a storm okay my impulse buy at the moment just looking around is mango and then also uh passion fruit four for two bucks that's pretty good yeah, and you can get them cheaper as well if they're a little bit riper. Right. We've been cutting them in half and put them in uh, a glass of lemonade or even with mineral water just to break the monotony. Yeah. Don't forget the asparagus. Now is asparagus time. All right. Jeez, we've got a lot, we've got a lot of instructions out there for you guys. All right, we're going to leave market. I'm going to go back to the studio. We'll see you back in a second. Thank you, John. You're most welcome, as always. See you. Oh, what a, that sounds like a good thing. And they gave an amazing prize last week, too. Oh. Yeah, they did. Anyway, but we've got something Speaking for you. Speaking of amazing prizes. Amazing prize uh, time. And also, congratulations to Jackie, who picked up the Digger's book earlier. She's on her way back home to Cape Woolamite. What a awesome place to grow some vegetables. Yes. Cape Woolamite. Anyway, uh, if you're further in the city than Cape Woolamite, next Saturday is Community Sauerkraut Day, Cameron. At Mycelium Studios. Yes, we know about this. So Ivy Lane, who we've had on the show before, uh, will run a full class on how to make your own sauerkraut. It's suitable for new or experienced fermenters, and uh, you'll be taught the fermenting process. You get a whole big jar of sauerkraut to take home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you're a Lucky Triple R subscriber, we've got a double pass to get in there for free. So give us a ring at 93881027 if you're keen to check out uh, Community Sauerkraut Day. If you don't win and you still want to go... Uh, maybe just Google it, and there are still tickets available uh, for sale. But give us a ring, 9388 What do we Google? Uh, community Sauerkraut Day. And good luck spelling sauerkraut. You won't get it right the first time. I certainly didn't. <laughs> okay. It's, uh, it's the uh, it's the Stedman challenge there yes. for you folks. But uh, Thrown down. It's a good thing to get your uh, probiotics on and uh, to uh, get those healthy bacteria in the gut. Yes. Because it's very, very important. 12.43, as we pivot around and I look across, Boris Portnoy, very, very good afternoon. Thank you for joining us here at the studio, and thank you for all the yummies that you brought in. My God. Thank you. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. um, You are up on the hill at at Northcote, uh, across from, from the town hall, in a very, very, first of all, very, very interesting period building. 
um, and uh, a very, very interesting bakery where the focus is not so much towards Paris. It's somewhere else, isn't it? Yeah, trying to look a little bit to the east, yeah. east of Paris. Yeah, east of Paris. And, and is that... Um, is that because of the, your, your nationality, Boris? I mean, that's a bit of a giveaway, isn't it, for for a start? Um, what is your? Uh, where are you from? The, the your parentage, I suppose. I, I was born in Moscow, uh, so I was born in Soviet Union. Yes, um, and uh, we we immigrated to the United States um, when I was eleven. So was still, that a hard thing to do in those times? That doesn't seem like there was like a sort of thing, a passage way to. Get out. Was Must it? have been hard for my parents. It yeah. was an adventure for me. Wow. How old were you when you left? Uh, I was 11 years old in uh, in in 89. <laughs> oh my god. And uh it was really great cuz we went to we went to for our first stop was Austria. So this we landed in the evening and I'm looking at billboards and everything is lit up and wow. and I'm looking at these shops that you know it, it was amazing the, they had Bananas in the in the winter. They had stuff. <laughs> you guys have got stuff, and you're advertising stuff. Um, because I don't know. It, it seems that there was a certain grimness to living in the Soviet Union at that time. Uh, it seems to me that uh, here's the cliches that people were lining up endlessly um, for for things, and a lot of the time they just join ones because I don't. What, what have they got? Uh, we got toilet paper. Well, it's exciting. It was yes. really exciting to line up and to see, hey, what's, what's what? going to happen? Yeah. What, what are we going to end up with? What are, what are we, <laughs> we going to get? So, gosh, that's, that's an incredible thing. So you came, you first came through Austria. Yep. Which um, is an interesting sort of thing, especially with what you're doing now. And we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> and, and then what happened? We took a train to, um, to Rome. The night train <laughs> to Rome. Yeah, wow. Yeah, um, and just just the way that geopolitically it was aligned that uh, the road uh, led all roads lead to. to. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we lived near the round market, which actually doesn't exist anymore. But it used to be this round market uh, with uh, a lot of uh, veggies and and fruits and um, lots of peddlers selling. Handbags, you know, stuff, stuff. You and, didn't even have to line up for it. We we would sell stuff too. Ah, this is what I was going to ask. It's like, okay, so you um, managed to well, let's face it, escape the Soviet <laughs> Union, get out. We're out yeah. of here. But what did your parents do to thrive in this Western capitalist we world s- that you found yourselves in? <laughs> we bought some, we brought smoked fish with us. We yes. brought caviar. We brought. Uh, Iranian uh, mollusol, <laughs> uh, saffron. No, no, no uh, carpets. Oh, carpets. Uh, carpets. Wow. <laughs> we brought um, some uh, so- Soviet uh, perfumes. Oh, we had uh, yes, uh, uh, yeah. binoculars uh, uh, from uh, opera binoculars. Uh, we had therm- thermometers, mercury thermometers. Yes. Anything that we kind of liquidate and put in our put in our bags, bags, and, 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 and st- st- yeah, just bring with us. Wow, and so so from okay, so the gateway out Austria, Rome, but then you ended up in America. Pan Am, Pan Am flight. Pan Am, <laughs> long 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 gone air, air, airline, and okay, so how, how did that eventuate? And tell us about that. Uh, 
there's this process of of putting your application into the to who is going to take you in. You know, there's yeah. quite. You there's need like, someone to sponsor you for what they call the green card, yeah. Yeah, for the white card that leads you white, to the to, to the, the green, green card. card. Yeah. Okay. So there's a there were some players. Australia was actually one of them. Uh, yes. Uh, U.S., Canada, South 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 Africa. Well, so it's a big lottery, isn't it? It's like a big dartboard. And yeah, where did kind you of land? Like a, you know, choose your adventure. You know? Yes. <laughs> and and so you ended up in um, the U.S. of yeah. A. Yeah. Uh, different U.S. of A. than <laughs> it is now, but let's not go into that. Yeah. Um, and did you start East Coast, West Coast? Where um, you know, very traditional, like very Brooklyn, uh, Brooklyn R- yeah. Russian Jew, you know. <sighs> yeah. Near, oh, we, we didn't go to Coney Island, I mean, to, to Brighton Beach. We, we, we... We were rebels. We did five stops before the Coney Island, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Sheepshead Bay. Yes. <laughs> and so then, so how old were you when you when you ended up in... Well, uh, 12 years old. It was about a, you know, eight, nine-month process getting to the States, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then, so so grew up, the formative years of your life was spent growing up in, in America, and then you ended up cooking. And yeah. And started making my way here yeah. slowly wow. from the east coast to the west coast. Oh yes, yeah, so it, it was just gradual heading yeah. east. It's like take the wagons and, <laughs> and, and and go across. But a fair bit of time in San Francisco, and then also feeding the great and the good in um, in this place that we were talking about. I got it wrong a couple of times. Meadow Wood, um, which can you describe what was what was Meadow Wood? Um, it, it, it was a, a rice paddy in the 70s. Yes. And then uh, there was a, quite a redevelopment in Napa Valley. And um, from horse farms became wineries. And uh, this rice paddy could just couldn't make it into a – couldn't grow any grapes on it. So they, mm. made, they made it into a golf course. And it was just near the French Laundry. Uh, yeah, it's about Around two, sort of two towns over. Two towns it's very, over. Very close, yeah. So, you know, we're talking about the the great uh, temples of uh, sort of regional gastronomy. Mm. Uh, certainly, French uh, laundry was with Thomas Keller. Yes, that's I right. I got that right. Um, but, uh, and then you learned uh, fine dining and feeding fine people. Yes. Uh, <laughs> like a trajectory, you know, like yeah. you, what do you want to grow up? What do you want to be when you grow up? You know, yeah. I want to be something really great. I want to do something really, you know, some really wild things. And, you know, it's exactly what you would imagine. It's what, what do you want to make today? Like the really? anything, anything is possible. You have all the equipment, you have all the, you have all the staff, you know, anyone is there to make your dream a reality kind of kind of a thing yeah mm, if you uh, so you become kind of this you know surgeon you know brainiac uh, um, uh, just full of want you know someone who is full of wonder could really do a lot of creative stuff in in, a, in that kind of environment and thrive in that environment so it wasn't sort of the dictatorship that we have with you know most of these sort of places yeah. like that where no. where the imperial imperative comes from the top down sort of thing yeah, very much so. Wow, very much so. And and people wanted to to be in that kind of environment. That's mm. why they went to work there. Uh, Matt's just giving me the the break thing. It is twelve fifty one here. We're talking to Boris Port. Now you're listening to Eat It Here on Three Triple R FM. My name's Ken Smith. Across from me, I have Matt Stedman. We're just going to do a little community announcement and find out about Boris coming to Australia after this.
Doesn't that sound familiar, Community uh, Sauerkraut Day? It does. It's like deja vu. Congrats to Karen Marsh, who uh, picked up the freedom or pass for that. But check it out if you want to go along next week. Boris, we were talking just uh, before about, um, well, being in America, this relentless sort of uh, uh, go west young man. And uh, then it took you across the Pacific Ocean. You ended up in in Australia. Was it Melbourne that you landed in, or uh, we came to Sydney for a couple of days and yeah, yeah, took yeah. a took a little flight to Melbourne. Yeah. And then so here we are. And um, and and how did this great bakery? Um, and it's not just a bakery. And uh, I would. Venus series. No. <laughs> there you go. He's laughing at me. He's close going, enough. Close I, enough. I had a go though, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. That's that's really that's the point, right? Yeah. So um, the journey, t- not the <laughs> not how you really pronounce it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a go. Uh, but uh, tell us, how do we pronounce this properly? Uh, Vinoiserie. Vinoiserie. <laughs> not even close. Uh, what is this thing? Because. We look at here in Australia and a lot of the world, we sort of look at our pastries as sort of from the French canon. Yeah. I, I think uh, there's lots of different canons. Mm. Um, less, some are lesser known to us, but when you go to to France, you know, Viennoiserie is really quite active and, uh, you know, uh, um, developed. Yeah, because it's like, what have the Viennese ever done for us? <laughs> Lots. Yeah, they uh, they actually did a lot for us. They mm. they, uh, they fought the Turks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for, for, for one. And uh, and that's how he ended up with the Crescent, actually. Because what was it? It was about the story about the baker who was working up late one night and was hearing all the Turks trying to sneak in, and he sprung them. <laughs> was sort of idiot. He was the one that found out that there was an invasion that was about to happen and, and alerted. Uh, the guard and the, the invasion was thwarted, or the the attempted breaching of the city walls was thwarted. Is that sort of it? I'm, you know, I'm sure there's quite a few different <laughs> stories lots, about okay. it, but I, I imagine it's a baker because they're up early. Yeah, hey, they're up, <laughs> and they got good ears. Yeah, we heard what's going on. But the thing is that the croissant is, which is crescent shaped, and it what it does is it shows that that thing that happened. It's not French at all, is it? Viennese, mm. Viennese, uh, yeah, yeah. and uh, and the French, you know, don't don't they call it Viennese, Viennoiserie? Ah, uh, yes. They don't call it Francois, Francois, <laughs> no, 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 Francois. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But but you you arrived in Melbourne, and so first of all, were you doing a lot of pastries beforehand, or was this a, a new endeavor? Was this? I, I was trained as a pastry chef that's what i did and i mm. i wanted to get into baking you know i wanted to be a baker wanted to have a different lifestyle than my previous career which uh and kind of came to melbourne and said well no one knows me i can really kind of reinvent myself i can be anyone so i want to now i want to be a baker and i've uh took st- started making all those steps to- toward it i saw a really beautiful building and um, in my neighborhood and uh, started making phone calls and uh, two, and a half, two and a half years later we opened. You were able to acquire this place. So can you describe the space to us because it's quite something. Um, it, it used to be the bookshop for uh, Christian Science uh, Church yeah. and Christian Science, they were really into modernist kind of a mid-century mm. uh, architecture and I think a lot of them were arch- architects. Yes. Um 
And it's right across the road from the Northcote Town Hall, just yeah, to position which, it in High Street on which the Which is hill. very Victorian-looking kind of yeah. building, and and everything else on the High Street is quite Victorian. It's quite nice to have this uh, kind of like a cube, this, modern, this mid-century cube. Um, and, it, um, yeah, it, we developed it and uh, it tried to keep the keep outside intact. And there's a lot of things that are, as you said, very, very different And how... Can you tell us about um, how you developed the line of pasties you did and maybe just point out some of maybe your favorite children? Uh, <laughs> um, you know, Vinoiserie kind of leads it into this rabbit hole of, of shapes. So you, mm. what, is the, what is the width? What is the, the measurement the, of lamination? What yes. is the, the width of how do you uh, – uh, are you going to fold it? Do you braid it? Mm. Uh, and so on. Uh, do you so, add fruit to it? Do you add yeah. Yeah, chocolate to it? <laughs> yeah. Um, so lots of experiments, a lot of experimentation, lots of bad things, lots of cakey things and not crunchy things. Not mm. But um, eventually you, you get to something that is like melt in your mouth or exact, you know, you get to that point where you really – fall in love with the product oh boris it's been a hell of a journey and i've got to say that we are very very lucky that you did come all the way down here and you can see a lot of things some things have been reinterpreted like a, the really laminated squiggly fabulous pan chocolat uh, which I, I think is amazing and uh, what's the one with the rhubarb the bostock yes the bostock the rhubarb pistachios that's right oh my god another another canon of a lesser known canon mm. <laughs> we uh, we probably need to move on soon, but you in the last thirty seconds we've got you've got uh, an event that's happening with the M Pavilion, which yes. you'd like to tell us a bit about. Uh, yes, we're working with Honeyfingers and uh, Roch- uh, Merchant Street, uh, which empower uh, newly arrived immigrant women, and we they look they help them with work and jobs, yeah. and uh, we're collaborating with the Honeyfingers and um, uh, in in Bee Bread. And so you can look that up. Uh, the uh, M Pavilion, of course, is that fabulous thing that a pavilion that gets reimagined and rebuilt, um, and it's just being happening now across from the National Gallery of Victoria. Boris, it's been an absolute pleasure. You're going to have to come back because we never got on to talk about Georgia and making wine in giant amphora. Amphora. So will you come back? Absolutely. Please do. It is one o'clock. Matt, it's been a pleasure to see you. Likewise, and Neil Morris is up next with Steel here in a very dark studio, but he's he's primed. He's ready to go. He's primed and he's got musicians. We've got a bit of live stuff happening, so we look forward to that. Over to you, Neil. Thank you, mate. Take it away. It's the afternoon on 3 Triple R. Be part of it. This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.